Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, April 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Trillions of dollars of excess savings are sitting in savings accounts around the world, ready to be spent. And some of Europe's biggest football clubs are planning to break away from the Champions League and create an alternative. And the hottest social media app, Clubhouse, is it the real deal? Or is the audio chat app a Silicon Valley fad? We'll ask Lex columnist Elaine Moore what she thinks. I haven't ended up spending seven hours a day on Clubhouse. I thought I might, but you join a room and people are chatting and it's sort of interesting. But if you don't really engage with the conversation that's happening immediately, there's not a lot to keep you there. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Consumers around the world have stockpiled an extra $5.4 trillion in savings from the start of the pandemic through the first quarter of this year. That could be good news for the post-pandemic economy. Consumers saved money because they spent so much less over the past year due to uncertainty and because so many businesses were shut. One Consumer Confidence Index shows consumers are increasingly confident about the economic outlook. That could mean lots of spending once shops, bars, and restaurants reopen. The credit rating agency Moody's estimates that if consumers spent just a third of their excess savings, they would boost global output by just over two percentage points this year and in 2022. European soccer, I mean football, could be in for some major upheaval. Up to 12 teams plan to break away and form a separate Super League. Sources tell the FT that the group includes top clubs like Spain's Real Madrid and FC Barcelona, England's Liverpool and Chelsea, and Italy's AC Milan. The plan is backed by $6 billion in debt financing by JP Morgan, and it would be the biggest change to the sport in decades. The FT Sports editor, Murad Ahmed, spoke to me about what's behind the move. If you were charitable about it, you would say that these clubs, they're the highest earning clubs in the world, and they've taken, during the pandemic, when fans haven't been able to be in stadiums, they've taken huge revenue shortfalls, and they're looking for ways to recoup that money. The uncharitable view is that it's a power grab at a very sensitive time in the development of European football. Right. Last week, there was a big meeting between the biggest clubs and their trade body. They met to prepare for today's announcement by UEFA. That's European football's governing body. UEFA is expected to unveil a big format change for the Champions League itself, more matches, more teams. And these 12 clubs we've been talking about are not on board with the changes. Um, Murad, why is that? One of the reasons they're not on board with the change of the Champions League, it's about money and power. Uh, And what they've been asking for from UEFA is equal control over the Champions League. That means uh, equal control over the media rights contracts, the sponsorship contracts, all the money of the Champions League. They would like uh, a a say in the running of it. It feels like now that they're not going to get their way or as fast as they want, why not go and uh, get the word out that they are up for a breakaway Super League? So, Murad, what would that mean for the Champions League if this new league actually happens? It would 
essentially supersede the Champions League or even completely eliminate it altogether. The Champions League is Europe's top annual club competition. About 2 billion euros are passed to the 32 participating clubs every year, but it's owned by UEFA. The idea of this Super League, this breakaway, is that it would be played in midweeks, so exactly the time that the Champions League is played. And it's deliberately intended to be that way so that it replaces the Champions League. Um, those teams that play in the Super League wouldn't be able to play in the Champions League. Murad Ahmed is the FT Sports Editor. He also edits the FT's scoreboard newsletter. The audio chat room Clubhouse launched one year ago, so it's truly a pandemic-era app. The app exploded in popularity because of celebrities like Oprah and tech personalities like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, who hosted chats and helped promote the social network. Now, the app's rumored to be in talks for more fundraising that could take its value to $4 billion. Our Lex columnist Elaine Moore joins me for a chat about whether it's really worth all that. Hi, Elaine. Hi there. So one of the defining features of Clubhouse is its exclusivity. It's invite only and Clubhouse invites haven't been easy to come by, have they? They're a bit easier now, but the app was keeping those invitations to VCs and founders and people that knew one another for quite a while. So just getting in in the first place was difficult enough. And I think that that helped to build the momentum around the app. And then the people that were using it were spending so much time on it and were then going to Twitter or other social media and telling everybody else that this app was so incredible. They were spending seven hours a day just listening to these conversations. So that also gave us this idea that there was some great new social media app out there that we couldn't get onto. Gosh, I hate to date myself here, but I, I was going into college when Facebook was becoming a thing, and it feels exactly the same way, invitation only to build up all this excitement. What was your experience like when you went on? I've been on a few times. I haven't ended up spending seven hours a day on Clubhouse, and I, I thought I might, but what happens is you open up the app and you see the variety of, they're called rooms, these discussions that are ongoing that you can just leap straight into. And it's different to other social media experiences. You have this range of conversations that are going on. You can see who's part of it. It feels a bit more workplace orientated than some other places. You're encouraged to put a lot of your CV into your profile. And so you're seeing other users, you're seeing where they work, what they're interested in. So you join a room and people are chatting and it's sort of interesting. But if you don't really engage with the conversation that's happening immediately, there's not a lot to keep you there. So membership doubled between the end of 2020 and the start of February to 2 million weekly active users. Um, this is Clubhouse's preferred metric. Can it sustain this kind of pace, though? I don't think so. I think that the problem it's going to have is the problem that I've encountered, which is the bigger it grows, the less likelihood there is that the conversations that are ongoing are particularly interested to every random person who's just dropping in. At the beginning, it was very tech-focused. It was very VC-focused. Now, the more invites you get, the more people that join the more random the conversations can be. And so when you open up the app and you see 10 or so conversations going on and you're not interested in any of them, then the likelihood of staying with the app is going to decrease. And I don't think that the level of interest is going to be there. And it also just feels like a, very much a product of the pandemic. Now that things are starting to open up and people are able to go participate in the economy in, in real life and in, in person, 
the popularity of these kinds of apps might dwindle. I think that's true. Although I also think we all expected life to get back to normal quite quickly. And now it seems as if maybe in-person festivals and in-person conferences are still a way off. So that's quite a good environment for Clubhouse to exist in. And also there is something to be said for audio content, for being able to listen in while you're doing something else, while you're driving or while you're making your dinner. So it feels as if there is space for content like this, just perhaps not this exact content. And copycats and rivals to Clubhouse see that opportunity. What have we been seeing emerge from the other big players in Silicon Valley? Yeah, this is the other problem for Clubhouse. It's a compliment, but it's a backhanded compliment. So Twitter has already created its own version of Clubhouse. Facebook is trying to do it. Slack is trying to do it. Uh, LinkedIn is trying to do it. The idea from all of them is this thing looks like it's popular. It's being talked about a lot. Maybe there's some extra ad revenue. Maybe there's a way to get more engagement from our users. Why let existing users leave and go to a new app? So Elaine, it sounds like the answer is already no, but does Clubhouse have a business model that can justify a $4 billion valuation? It's tricky with valuations at the moment. There is so much money floating around, but it still doesn't have a very convincing business model. It doesn't want to do advertising. Maybe it plans to take a cut of the money that listeners give to creators, but that's not clear yet either. So that valuation is, um, it's a bet that looks like a fairly risky one. Elaine Moore is our Lex columnist. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks. Ah, to have a top-floor office overlooking the River Thames. Executives at the global megabank HSBC have had it so good at their headquarters at London's Canary Wharf. But the bank is about to embrace post-pandemic work culture. HSBC CEO Noel Quinn told the FT that executives are being booted from their private offices on the 42nd floor. The top floor will now be used for collaborative spaces and client meeting rooms. Those executives will now have to scrounge for a desk two floors down, but it's not as if they'll be wandering around all day. The CEO said offices were already empty half the time because people travel around the world, and that, he added, was a waste of real estate. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.